With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Ascot United Behind the Goals podcast. As ever, there's been plenty going on at the race course and I'm here with Leon Palmer-Wilson to talk to you about it. Leon, how are you? Are you well? Yeah, I'm all right, Dan. I've... Yeah, I've had a good week. Well, I was going to ask you a question um, in, in all some... seriousness. Go on. That, that those who were there on Friday oh, yeah. night at the Vets game, the Vets second eleven. We've yeah. seen, you know, that they'll have held their breath halfway through the second half because the, the, the midfield dynamo collapsed in a heap and was carried off. Are you okay? I did. I was just getting a little tired, Dad, and it's quite a long way back to the showers, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> do, do you know, the sad thing about it was, and Rob will know this, having played with me, it wasn't a tackle. I was on my own, changing direction quite slowly, and my ankle gave way. It made a funny noise. That's what freaked me out. So I needed a cuddle and, and a carry on. Well, Steve Dando but came yeah, over right. to me and said, Dan, there's, there's a problem there. I heard something. And, and joking apart, I was a bit worried. But it, it, in all seriousness, it, it's not as bad as you feared, is it? You're, you're a bit sore, but nothing more? Well, I'm on crutches, Dan. Oh, oh right. But, I mean, I'm sore, I'm, sore, I'm sore most of the time, to be fair. So look, our next game's not for two weeks, is it? So I'll be all right. Good man. Good I like man. your attitude. I did like the way that when people are trying to pick you up, you said, I'm not coming off. Not coming off. As, as they carried no, you off. You see, no, no, you see, you misheard me. I said, I don't want to come off this side. I wanted carrying over to the showers, and that's a true story. And they just wouldn't have it. I did. So when they lifted me off to the short side. I did mishear you, you're right. Good stuff. Very quickly, before we crack on and introduce our, our, our guest this week, it's been a reasonably odd weekend for the Vets. Now, obviously, the, the, we managed to win on Friday night, but the Vets ones won on Saturday, but something slightly left field happened. Do you, do you want to talk us through that? Well, um, I'll tell you what I do know. We had five pens on the day. And the rumour is that one chap won all of them and took them all. We can dive into this, Leon, because I've got that one chap, Ian Davis, ready to speak to us. And he's going to talk us through exactly what happened over at Croxley with the, 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 the five pens story. Brilliant. Look forward to it. So... Good to speak to Ian Davis here, the penalty taker extraordinaire for the Vets. Ian, talk to us about what happened on Saturday. You had five penalties to take, right? Yeah, yeah, Australia. But the, the team we're playing against, we're complaining about the, the fouls, or so-called fouls in their opinion. But yeah, like all fouls, I thought were terrible penalties. And yeah, ended up taking five, scoring four of them, getting a lot of stick about the one I missed. Well, yeah. say, talk us through them. So, so which one did you miss, and what was the t- what was the strategy moving forward? So, I missed the second one, and the goalkeeper looked like he wouldn't be able to reach too many bottom corners. So that was a strategy. And the second one ended up kind of I, I tried to go to my right, and I ended up pulling it down the middle straight at him, basically. So that's how I missed that one. I call it put it down to a technical error, shall we? But yeah, the, the rest were uh, yeah, I managed to find the corner, and and he didn't. 
So, so, so what's the strategy? Because I mean, I, I'm not a penalty taker, but occasionally you do over four years of football find yourself taking a penalty. But I've never had to take two in a game. So do you think do you think about the previous ones or do you, do you just, you didn't do the same thing all five times, right? Or did, or did you? Yeah. What, what do you do? No, I went army style. I went left, right, left, right, left, right. But I, I, I make my mind up when I'm, when I'm there, really. And I just decide what I want to do. Sometimes the last one I went for power, but that was down to fatigue. Yeah, but the others, I just tried to hit it in the bottom corner. So I said he, he wasn't the most mobile. Um, but yeah, sometimes you might try and send them the wrong way. If you think they're, they're quite good at either guessing you or moving, moving into the corner to try and send them the wrong way. Um, otherwise, just tend to pick a corner and make sure you hit it hard enough, basically. And that's my strategy. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure whether, I'm not sure what I'd do. I'd probably be panicking a bit because you're sort of outfoxing yourself or there's a danger you might outfox yourself, right? You keep it simple. Yeah, I try to keep it as simple as I can. And I've, I've missed a few in, in the past and, and quite often the ones I've missed have changed my mind at the last second. So I try and stick to my decision once I've made it. And was there any doubt that you were, that you were going to take the penalties? Because I can imagine once you've scored two or three, there might be other people who would say, hold on a minute, I, I fancy a go here. Well, the, the, to be fair, the, the lads were great. So I haven't missed the second penalty. I thought, well, some of the others might be up for taking the next one. But they were, they said, no, no, you take the next one in. So I took that one and then I was on a hat trick. So, you know, I'll take that one. And then I tried to actually give the last one away to, to Adam. Adam Maroney, fellow striker yeah, and skipper. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, he, and I was just catching my breath, and he was like, yeah, you, you keep going. So he gave it all back to me. So, yeah, I just carried on. So I've got to yeah, give him a lot of credit for that one. I mean, in a way, the fifth one is, is sort of the most logical one for me because it, it's, got, it's got a comedy element to it now. You've had four. You might as well have five because I, I don't recall anything like this ever happening. Have you come across anything as mad as this before? How many? What, what was your record before Saturday of number of penalties in the game? So I've had two in 90 minutes. I've had two in a game. Well, I took three in a shootout once in my youth team days. Three but, in a shootout? Yeah, so we, we had a man sent off. So basically, we, the score finished up 21-20, wow. shootout. All penalties were scored by the last one. And because I went first, I basically went at three of them. Funnily enough, on that day, I went left, right, left as well. But yeah, that's, that's as close as I've come to this. Yeah, never had anything like that before. And I've had a bit of... Bit, bit of time on my hands today, Ian. So I had a bit of a Google, and I, I've not found anything anywhere where one player has taken five penalties. I found five penalties in a game, but never for the the, the, the same the same side. And I think there was a, a player this weekend who scored a hat trick of penalties in the Asia Cup. Is that right? Yeah, it's Ari lad. Mm. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with. Him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a guess at his name, but. Yeah, he's got a big fluffy afro and, and he scored three very good penalties watching it at the weekend. I watched the highlights and yeah, they were a bit more convincing than mine, but yeah, but not quite as many. So I'll take that one. <laughs> and did you get a bit of ribbon for missing the penalty? I mean, I guess I guess you must have done, right? I mean, it's pretty much all I heard in the change room after the game. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for the lads for that one, reminding me about that. And yeah, Dave Lyons in goals, he hasn't shut up about wanting to take one of the penalties as well. I can imagine that. Maybe. Yeah, they didn't get one in training. <laughs> and penalties to one side, quite a big week for the Vets first eleven. You've played Chelsea Vets twice in two weeks and they're definitely one of the top teams. You got them in the cup and in the league, right? Yeah, I mean, we we felt we they beat us last year. I can't remember it was, I think it was October we played them. And we didn't get off the best start, but second half we felt we deserved much more out of the game. And then since uh, JK and Toby have taken over, we've you know, our, our games been pretty good. We've been you know, scoring a lot of goals, conceding many. So our confidence is peaking at the right, right time, should we say. And yeah, all the lads are excited for it. So it'll be a good test for us to see, yeah, how we shape up. First one's the quarterfinals. Uh, I think it's the quarterfinal to get. It is the quarterfinal, yeah. And if anyone wants so, to come yeah. down and watch, um, it's Friday night on on the 3G at Ascot. So it could, it, it, to be honest, the bar will be open. There's the worst ways of spending a Friday night, right? Yeah, I mean, we can't guarantee there'll be another five penalties in that game, but <laughs> yeah, it should be. It should be a good game. They've got some good players. Um, they've got a centre forward who's uh, very physical, very good at what he does, and they try and play direct to him. So I imagine it'd be a clash of styles on um, Friday night, but hopefully ours will come out. Fantastic. Ian, well done. Uh, say well done on, on winning as well, 7-2, and, and best of luck moving forward. Thank you very much. See you there. 
Cheers, Ian. So, penalties galore. Ian scored four. The fact he's took all five is a bit that tickled me, Leon, because I'd have thought there'd have been, you know, a, a pretty much a cue to take at least a fourth and a fifth. I tell you, with Ben standing on there, with Adam on there, and with the thing about Betsup, in the old days, it used to be if you got three or four up, if, I, if we got three or four up, if I won a penalty, you, you, I would look round, I'd see which one of these old duffers gets a chance, you know, to, to, to score a goal. You know, you share them out. You a know, your keeper bit. coming up, wouldn't you? Um, Dave Lyons should have been taking it, one. No, honestly, it was that. It was that. But I think since we started playing league football, all of that changed more or less. So I can see them. Hey, listen, if he's won it, he's nearest the ball, and we all know what happens then. Absolutely. Yeah. Pick it up, stick it under your shirt, and wait for the ref. Yeah, to I remember it. seeing that about ten days ago in the twos when someone won a penalty. Leon, remember? <laughs> listen, when you've beaten three or four players running from the halfway line on a mud bath, you, you can't. You know, and you get tripped in the box. You can't give that to anyone else, can Is you? Is that know? what happened? And, and I, I must actually, have seen this a bit differently. But yeah, I remember you being tripped in the box. That I will definitely. Something like that. But Dan, you you really should nominate a penalty taker before the game. That was where you went you're not, wrong. You're not wrong there. It's the first penalty the Vets 2 have had all season. I haven't even thought about it. I haven't even thought about it. Now if we're going to talk about penalties, then I think we should definitely bring our, our guest in. Because I've seen this man take a number of penalties. And I've got, got a feeling I've taken a fair few more over the last 30 plus years. Really pleased to have club legend Rob Saunders with us. Rob, how are you? I'm pretty good, boys. Good to see you. It's been a little while, actually. Yes, isn't it? But you've yeah, been around the club, right? You're yeah. watching the first team. You know, still very much involved in, in your own way. Yeah, I must admit, I've got a little bit of imposter syndrome on this call because I looked at who you've had on over the first five episodes and now I'm just a bloke that goes to watch the first team. You've had people doing all sorts of wonderful work for for the club in various roles and I'm just a just a fellow that turns up with his curly-haired son and watches the first team once every two weeks. So, But hopefully I can add some value to what you're doing next. I think you guys have done a great job on the first five we've done. So, uh, Now, I think you're doing yourself a, yeah, look, look, a little bit it. of a disservice here, Rob, because it's not as if you know you, you haven't got strong relationships with Ascot United. Now, I, I know you're from playing Vets football with you, but it started a fair while before then, right? Can, can, you, can you sort of talk to us about where it began? You know, when did you first kick a ball for Ascot United? Yeah, so the, the, the Saunders family moved out of Sunbury and, and in 1986, I think. Dad might correct me on that. But the idea was to move out to the country, a time when Fernbank Road had no streetlights, right? It was, it was that. And yeah, my, my first appearance would have been, again, give me six months here either side on this. But I think it was probably about 1987. Dad at the time was manager of the under, would have been the under 10s, I think. And uh, yeah, I think he probably got a little bit sentimental and chucked his boy on for the last half an hour in a game over on Stanwell Moor. So yeah, 1987. So here we are, however many years later. Yeah, it's a long time ago. And, and there may well be some people who are listening who don't, don't know much about your dad, but he, he, he's, you know, he's, he still goes to watch Ascot United play, right? And he's, he's had a, a long relationship with the club, right? Yeah, so yeah, dad, dad and a, a small band of men from the area. So dad's, when we... Dan and I, my brother, went to, to school at Ascot Heath. We got involved in a babysitting circle. I don't know if those things are still going oh, on do. these days. Yes. But it, yeah, yeah. He, he, he met a guy called Ernie Beckett, who was running one of, I suppose, only three or four sides at the time. And Dad being a keen footballer, looking to make some friends and you know find some social stuff to do in the area, attached himself to Ernie's team as a, as a number two as such. And funny, you mentioned Ben standing in the uh, in the build-up there. Ben was one of the lads that was in in that side. Ben lived 10 doors down from me and we got to know each other swap, swapping Mexico 86 stickers back in the day, right? So it's a, it's a long old time ago. But then Dad became, I think, the first vice president of the club, or vice chairman, rather, I should say, alongside, I guess, the true pioneer of Asking I back in the day, a guy called Keith Wicks, who was a teacher at Heathermount. Now, he had a team the year above Dad's team. And there was... Other teams under guys called Stan Reeves. The Reeves are a relatively famous family in the Aska area. And then teams started to crop up here and there. And I suppose five, six years later, we probably had two teams at every age group from about nines up to 15, 16s at the time. So yeah, dad's been around it for ages. He still loves coming. He was very disappointed. I didn't replace his lost Ask United scarf for Christmas this year. He lost it at Wembley in May. But yeah, he's, he's still there. And I must admit, if I pop around for a cuppa, the first team is probably the first topic we discuss, which is incredible, really, which is one of the beauties of the whole club. Tell me how he lost his scarf. Tell me it was like limbs when we scored and it just went all completely bonkers, or is that is that just me, you know, 
been a big too uh, exuberant. Not, not quite. Not quite. It's not really in his in his character. But Dad and I turned into soppy messes at the time of the winner rather than sort of madmen. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might have been lost at the ground. Could have been lost in TGI Fridays Wembley. Could have been lost anywhere that we found ourselves doing um, shots of tequila. I think it was after the game. I don't know if Dad got involved in that, but things got a little bit loose after with with the the Gateshead and Halifax fans. Magnificent stuff, Leon. Yeah, I was just think, thinking about, I've been chatting to a few people, Rob. Rob and I, Dan, have known each other for a little while now through the Vets team. And I was catching up with some of the characters that have known him for a little bit longer. And thinking about your history and being involved with the club such a long time. I was talking to Dave Good, the Vets, the, the, the former Vets manager. This and, he, and he was saying that you... Your dad and his dad were quite instrumental in, in the in, in the building of the football club. Does that ring a bell to you, Toby Underwood's dad? Was he involved? Yes, John. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Underwood, yeah. Go on, where's well, this leading? Well, there is. There's something on that, which is really nice. He, he, Dave tells me that in a 14-0 against Old Meads, I was there for that day. That was a very enjoyable game. Dan was there as well, I think. You assisted Toby to score our 100th goal of the season. So there was a nice synergy there from, you know, your dad's doing all that stuff all that time ago to probably the crowning glory of Ascot Football Club's history, scoring the 11th (laughs) goal away at Old Meads, like father, like son. Yeah, credit to the Old Meads boys that season. They kept turning up. They were at the end of some (laughs) serious serious tonkings. And I was going to say, if Toby's scoring, they've definitely had a bad day. Well, you say that about Old Meads as well, Rob, because the, the second eleven have gone up a division and they went down a division. So we played them this year and they beat us 4-0 at, uh, at the race for Grant. And they're the best team we've seen in the second eleven, And they definitely remembered the 14-0. So I, th- I think we we felt the backlash from, from that result. But fair play to them, as you say. If the side keeps going, when, when they can see it's not their day, I'll, I'll always take my hat off. Take my hat off. Yeah, I remember it because I, I had a shower on the side of the pitch with just a water bottle because I was off to Tottenham Brentford straight after. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You not, didn't have to run about too much, to be fair, Rob. I, uh, we were going out for some beers after the game. So, uh, yeah, I was, wanted to be a bit more fresher than normal. So, Rob, in terms of your playing career, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the things I remember from, from talking to people about your playing career was the VARS runs. Now, it, it's not as if we discovered the FA VARS last year we've got reasonably close to getting to Wembley in the past up to the quarterfinals right and and you were heavily involved in those sides so how, how's the football on the field evolved over your time of of playing for the ones and, and now latterly watching the ones yeah I think just to, to try and get them Vars memories moved on pretty quickly because I've tried to forget about because they were quite heartbreaking actually because I think what the guys did last year was obviously incredible, but there was a, a tinge of jealousy had we need, not even got close just, just generally for for those. I mean, the one up at Shieldham, that was our big moment. What, what year was I that? Scored, Do you remember roughly? I want to say 2012, okay. around our side of time. Yeah, we went one nil up there. I scored an absolutely terrible goal and then they equalised in like the 96th and then they absolutely played us off the pitch back at back at the race course ground in the replay. We lost that 4-1. And then the game down at St. Austell, again, we, we led and unfortunately we had to, yeah, we just let them slip it, let them get two rather fortunate-ish goals in the, in the second half and the wind and the rain and everything seemed to transpire against us in the second half. I'm not trying to put some excuses on it. We didn't particularly play very well. But yeah, not, neither of the teams that beat us, I don't think I went on to win it either. So yeah, we probably weren't beaten by the best teams. We probably had a decent chance. And I think those sides that I played in, particularly the the second side, which lost down in St. Austin, was probably one of the best sides at Ascot I ever played in, with the likes of Daryl McLean on the left wing. He was a phenomenal player. And I, I think now to the lads that get to play on that pitch up the race course now, I'd love to have seen players like Daryl play on that because he was on a, on a different planet on his day. The thing about those two quarterfinal draws is people forget, you know, it is a genuinely national competition. I mean, St. Austell's miles away, and she, I, I've played at Shieldon, and it's you know it's not far from the Scottish border up there. So you you did some trekking. No, Sh- Shield, yeah, Shieldon was Shieldon was a fun one. I think it was the first time an Ascot United fan or two fans actually flew to an away. Yeah, my mate John and well John Gavin, you know John oh, Gavin yeah, and, and 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 our mate Michael Cecil, they they flew up and then travelled down. It was quicker. So yeah, unheard of at the time, and but until I suppose Guernsey later this season. Might be the first and only time that's happened. But, uh, I may be wrong. 
No, it's an it's an interesting an interesting angle flying to a yeah, a game of Ascot United hadn't really occurred to me that was even on on the radar. And if we sort of move off the field, you talk there about the facilities, and we all know how great the facilities are. And I just hope people don't take them for granted because, like like you, I've, I've played a lot of football. Let's just say on surfaces that are not as good as the one at the racecourse. And of course, it wasn't that long ago that the service at the racecourse was no nowhere near as good as it is now, right? Well, no, I mean, there was there were two standout features I always thought when I played up there was the way that the pitch would fall away in that corner in the far left as you arrive. And more historically, because I did manage to solve the issue, there was always the problem puddle in front of the box towards the race course end. I remember back when we were playing in the East Barks League, back when we started, and that would often be a hell of a defender that puddle right it would it would, it would, it, would tri- it, it would trip up many a man looking forward looking to drive forward towards goal but uh, yeah I, I i am again very aware of your time but I, i'm a little bit jealous of the, the way the players get to a train and b play on those services but i think for the kids coming through i think back to playing under sevens, eights, nines and tens on a full-size pitch in Bordish Farm. One year I scored 82 goals and at the time I thought it was a really, really good return. But in hindsight, I look at kids what would have been that age now and I think the goal must have been absolutely huge. I'm actually disappointed and get more. I just think it's absurd that, you know, it took so long for those changes to, to happen. Yeah. And it's great that the club have really spearheaded on stuff like that. You know, I don't yet have a child playing but I can't wait to get back involved in that and uh, yeah I rather sadly sometimes pop up the club on a Saturday morning just to see it all going on and it's phenomenal yeah back in the day you know there was hand-me-down kits going on I remember the first kit we played in we were called Ask United Seagulls Seagulls? Uh, under top yeah I'm, yeah I'm this a bit is, about the Seagulls Rob yeah, yeah this is a bizarre so this, so this, yeah so this was Toby's dad's team right yeah. so John Underwood so we were called Ask United Seagulls in a landlocked county, right? It's not particularly uh, <laughs> decent, but it's just because we had a blue seagull on the kit. You know, it was it was a bizarre now, thing. Now, 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 this we, anything team, we could find. This team, Dan and Rob, will be too modest to say, but this is the most successful age group team in Ascot United history. I'm telling you that again, is he, it? Well, yeah, he, he's one of my sources, and the first team to move from the East Barks League to the West Surrey League. Yeah, it got tougher in that. There were two twins that used to play for Woking and uh, Jim Hibbert, actually, who played for all the shows, now the manager of Farnham, who are, you know, pulling up trees in the uh, in the lower leagues at the moment. Yeah, that, things got very difficult when we moved across to the West Surrey. Yeah, and of, of those lads, it was you and Toby. Anyone else that we would that we would know now? Yeah, t- Tim. Tim. Tim was in there as well. Yeah, Tim Still Rocket. Football, Neil, yeah. Neil, Cor- Neil Corbett's in there. So this is, okay. you know, what does the club mean to me? I've known those boys for three and a half decades. It's it's all those shared experiences in yellow have been yeah. incredible over that time. And although I'm not playing at the moment, they're still doing it together. It's crazy when you think about it. Yep. And well, up until Toby got injured, all three were starting still in there. What are they now? Mid forties? Tim Tim maybe forty five? Yeah. yeah, I don't, don't I doubt there's anybody that's played more times for Asker United than Tim. I, 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 you'd be hard I've heard pushed. that said before actually because he, yeah. didn't, he didn't move around as much as the others did he stuck about no he, he didn't push himself hate me for saying that but yeah he I think apart from a small period where he went to Cove he didn't I, go off to Crystal Palace Juniors for a little while Tim yeah but you still played for your okay. you still played for your club at that time Tim had a little yeah. spell Sheffield United and Palace but yeah all, pretty much all his adult career was yeah. with, with Ascot how about your time that. at Palace Rob tell us a bit about it yeah, as much as I love football, it does. It has caused some of the more heartbreaking moments over the years. I think when I think back to that sixteen-year-old boy that probably sobbed for about a month. You played yeah. all the way up to that age group, yeah. Yeah, no, eight, eight till eight till sixteen. Got picked up on a Laurie Sanchez and Dave Besant soccer star week or something like that. You know those, those terrible things that you send your kids to for a week, so you've got to look after them. He was there for eight, near enough eight years, and then chucked on the scrappy like everyone else. And yeah, and then. Funnily enough, my next game was for Ascot United. I didn't go anywhere else after that. It was right. under yeah. my dad in the in the what would have been the East Barks League. So sort of from a little bit <laughs> from there, there to there at that time. Yeah, a little bit. So yeah. can you give us a feel for that trajectory? Because I mean, it, I mean, I I'm obviously relatively new to, to to Berkshire, but so when you started playing senior football, what, what league were we in, and how do we end up where we are now? I mean, obviously, you know, we haven't got five hours to go through this, and we could do because I'm a, I'm a football <laughs> anorak, so I'd want to know it all. But can you give us a rough sort of idea? What was the path? 
Yeah, so Dad got the side, which was at the time, that's, that was a postman for many years, and he got about five or six postmen and five or six lads that had come through the Keith Wicks, Stan Reeves teams, sort of the kids' teams come through. So there's a real blend of those two sort of demographics, really, the posties and the lads coming through. And Dad got them into the, the what was... We're still the eSparks League. And at the time, there were five leagues with about seven or eight teams in each. In preparation for this, there's now only two leagues over there. But what's interesting is still many of the teams that we played back in the early mid-90s are still in those leagues. Teams like, I know it's Frontline, at top of the Premier League over there. Now, and we, Dad progressed the side through those leagues quite successfully, almost five or six promotions in, in a row. Now, you won't like me saying they weren't always particularly merited on league position. Sometimes it's because, believe it or not, we had better facilities than some of the others. But yeah, progressively that. Then we went into the Reading League, which we got out of in the, which is now known as the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Thames Valley League in 2006-7 before moving into the Hellenic, which is an equivalent to what Ascot first team won last year. But that did mean travelling Oxen, Wilts, you know, as far as sort of the fringes of Wales, really, places like Lydney, which is near Chepstow. So, yeah, it became, it became pretty intensive on the travelling around that time. You know, not a time we were paying players either. But then we moved those to the combined counties, which I think was favourable for the style on, of football on, and the facilities. Sorry to interrupt, Rob. On the paying players, right. hmm. I was looking you up on Football Manager. Yeah. Now I've got it that in 2012 you were on 40 quid a game. Now is that true, Rob? Can you confirm it? Now remember, there's a lot of people listening. Who was it playing for? You were down as a paying for Ascot then. I mean, this could be football manager having dodgy it's data. Football manager, it's and true. Also, Did it, no discussion needed. Well, you were worth 440 quid as well, which is a lot of money back then. No, I think I think it's wrong. But, but football manager was historically wrong because when I played for Maidenhead, my two highest scores on my profile were strength and pace. No, I don't know who's done those. No, no, you guys know. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I would, I would suggest there's some dodgy information in that. I like that though, Leon. Because carry I, on. Sorry to interrupt. It made me think that Rob's worth. No, you're right. 125 Americanos in the Costa on Ascot High Street, or 80 pints. That was then, Or 80 mate. pints of lager. How about that? In the stag, or I don't know, 150 portions of chips at the racecourse grand. Same value as Rob Saunders. Is that, is that, is that unfair? If, if we're going at 440 <laughs> quid, is they going one and a half season tickets at Shrewsbury Town, Rob? That's what you're worth. No, I would take Rob. Yeah, so would I. And I've got one of the damn things. <laughs> That's the offer. Yeah. Cool. We, we talked before, actually, about... Uh, we talked about penalties already on this this pod. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I definitely recall from, from playing with you, obviously, you had an eye for goal, right? So I was going to ask two questions. What's the most... What's the season where you scored the most goals? And when I mean, I've seen you take penalties, you, you, you're, have you got anywhere near what Ian Davis was up to on Sunday? You, have you ever had a game where you've taken maybe three penalties or, or anything north of that? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, in fairness, when I played for the vets, I tend to pass them off to somebody else, actually. But it's yeah, true. I think... don't remember taking any of the pens. But no. Rob, was this in part because you 
had scored so many goals, you were getting yes. bored of it. Dan, I'm going to embarrass Robert. There was a season, I think you were there for some of it, Dan. He played 18 games, got 27 goals, 20 assists, and that was 40% of the 110 goals we scored that year. And the thing about the 18 that was... So is that me or Rob you're talking about? That's Rob, isn't it? Don't make a step down. Stand down. This is not you. But uh, the thing that Dave loved most about that is that Rob played all 18 of those games. And the following year, and I promised I'd talk about this, Rob, and I don't know if you heard on the last podcast, we played a game where Rob scored six goals in a 6-0 win, all belters, and I haven't got that wrong. I checked my knowledge, and I believe, Rob, and you can tell me if this bit is wrong, you only had six shots that day. Bank of England away, just to refresh your memory. The one thing that's wrong. Go on. It was at home. Yeah, I watched was it. Was it? Oh, I, I had a one day yeah. watching it. Yeah, it was at home. I oh, know. Yeah. Dave did tell me it was at home. I can't. Not, not yeah, it was at home. Do you, know, do, do you know my favourite thing about that night was, I don't know what it says about my popularity in the squad, but I didn't win Man of the Match. No. Well, I'll tell you why, Rob. I'll tell you why, Rob, because I, I was there, mate. And I was playing in midfield that day with you. And you gave the ball away more than the rest of the team combined, according to Dave Good on that. Is day. that because they, they kept having to take centre? <laughs> it's probably that, yeah. yeah. So I think that's why everyone was just like, mate, you've had a lovely time, but not so much but, the rest of us. But, I it, but the, the man of the match voting in the Vets is a... That is very odd. It was bizarre because we played a game. We won 11-4 and our keeper got man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking he's let, he's let four in. I mean, it's not even close to like a clean sheet. And the, the other end of the pitch has obviously done its, what it needs to do. I mean, were we lucky to get an 11-4? It was, it was, I never understood the vote and I soon gave up on even, even bothering. Fair enough. Let's Fair not go enough. too Fair deep. Enough. I think you was harsh if you didn't get yeah. it that way. I voted you, Rob. Mate. Let's not analyse the, psych- the psychological profile of the vets. This may end up very dark and in a place we don't need <laughs> yeah. to go on a public <laughs> podcast. But in terms of historically goal scoring records, I mean, you've, you've clearly scored a hell of a lot of goals, Rob. I don't know how many. I'm, I'm not sure if you know how many. I'd be, be amazed if you did, to be honest. But He does. So historically, Rob, yeah, which was your best season, if you can recall it? I mean, I know it's, you know, they all mould into one a little bit. And how many... I mean, have you ever had a situation where you've taken two penalties in a game or three penalties a game or seen other people taking multiple penalties in a game? Best ever season was probably when I was about eight or nine and I was on a pound a goal and it cost well, my mate nine. two quid. Christ, don't tell my eight. Yeah, you know, it, co- eight yeah it, it cost mum 82 quid that year. But as I say, I think the, the goals were favourable back then. But yeah, as I got older, I started to regress a little bit. It started to become more creative but I still still took a fair share of penalties and in fact I had a pretty good record until I had a game for the first team at Gotas Road and the keeper got sent off on a professional foul and I then stuck the centre midfielder in and only to save my penalty so yeah the first one I ever missed was for, to an outfield player which I guess we must be 20 years past that now it's still it still niggles I'm gonna say um, you got over it yeah see it in his face I could, you can't see him <laughs> I can see it in his face that one that one cut yeah, I can't go to Goat's Road without thinking of it. Brilliant. But, but yeah, in the, I, I suppose, as I say, for the vets, I never really took them, and I tend to let the strikers have them. I've never really, I don't think I've ever taken two, and I always see the argument of actually letting someone else take it. I know it's kind of contrary to what Ian, Ian does, but um, yeah, I always always find it odd. And it's, it's actually one of the most uncomfortable things with penalties I've found is if you have to retake one for encroachment. I think that's even, even worse than taking two in the same game because you're, yeah, it just becomes, becomes a game of a bit of bluffer at that point, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, Ian's story is that Adam Moroni, the captain of the Vets ones, kept telling him to take them. Now, Adam's a centre-forward as well, but he, that, that's his defence. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess there's something comedy, once you've got to three, in, in perhaps keeping going, right? Because, I, I mean, I, I Googled this, folks, and I found, I found a number of professional games where there was five penalties in the game, but never all for the same team. So I've not actually found anything at all that says that that someone took five pounds in the game. Astri, Ascot making history once again. That's wonderful, isn't it? I'm going to be going to be digging around to find out a bit more. Um, cool, Nate. Thinking, sort of standing back then, Rob, the, the future of the club and the future of you within the club. I mean, you, you've got you've got young family. Oh, I'm guessing that the plans are afoot for them to play for Ascot. But what, what, where do you see the club and, and yourself going in in the next few months, weeks, years? Yeah, as I touched on earlier, I, I can't wait to get up there and in charge of Louis under 
sixes, fives, whatever it is going to actually be. To the, to the parents that I've never met that have the same age as my son, nice to meet you. I'm going to be the manager of your kid's team. I can't see any other role for me, quite honestly. I'm looking yeah, forward to this. Be, I can see this being a traumatic experience yeah. for Rob. It's way more difficult than you think, Rob, seriously. Yeah, I, well, the, the, the boys, a few of my sort of close mates have just started taking on those roles. And I think of like Paul McGrotty, who's a former first team manager, and you've got Sam McIntyre, and, and they're getting involved, and Tim, and you know, they're, they're getting involved. I'm sort of jealous of them at the weekend, but I'm not quite so jealous of the parental WhatsApp groups, I'm sure. I want to avoid them, like the play, I know they're necessary, but, uh, but yeah, I think just having that. I think it's time that I give something back to the club. And, you know, I've, I've done various things over the last three decades, painting clubhouses, marking the pitch and all those kind of things back in the day. But I think, I think it's now time to give something back and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I'll, I, will, I will do that with some passion and I'll continue to support the first team with passion because, you know, that's a, a really enjoyable Saturday afternoon up there, up there now, regardless of the results and they haven't been fantastic this season. It's beyond what's on the pitch to see what's going on on off the pitch in terms of the crowd swelling a nucleus of hardcore fans coming week in week out it's it's crazy to think when I think back to the first first team game at Hollyport back in 1993 as that lad that, with his brother that ran on with the buck with the bucket and sponge to see what it is now I think it's pretty incredible so yeah I'm looking forward to the next decade and where do you yeah. see it going Rob because in the time I've been involved with the club, the, the elite side of it is, is pretty impressive. Anytime I've seen the first team, that you know, it's, it's a real good product. Same with the women's team, etc. But it's also a massive community club, isn't it? And I, I guess there's always you hear, don't you, in non-league football, of you know, almost I don't know whatever you call it, sailing too close to the wind, trying to push to get to that super elite level, and then losing a little bit of what the club's about. But I don't know what. Where you think this this story is going, where the journey will end, or how 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 high Ascot will go? Yeah, I think last year was obviously an an exception and not not a norm, right? Last year, and I think the next twenty years will probably have a relegation in it. It's just the nature of it, or you may find that you just plateau for a little bit. That's just the nature of non-league. But what I what I I don't know much about the club's finances. My understand, I know it's led by intelligent and diligent people I just I know that it's the progress we had in the last couple of years is it's not built on sand this I think it's done in the right way and I think the club this year will secure itself in in that league this in a, at first team level and I think the, the struggle at junior level is just capacity right Dan will testify I put my son on the waiting list when he was about 18 months old just because I know how in demand it is and obviously plans with the second you know, yeah. AstroTurf pitch up the club. There, there we go. I'm showing the age. I said AstroTurf, uh, AstroTurf pitch up the club. But yeah, it, it, I think when other people turn up with their kids on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, they must be so envious of what the club has. And I can only see it going in one direction. That's because of the people. Every time someone leaves a role, they're replaced with a like-minded and ambitious person. I think that's... So we've seen, isn't it, Dan? We're, everybody we've spoken to on here so engaged, a lot of love for the club. Yeah, and the 3G pitch is yeah. a good point, the second 3G pitch, because, I mean, there may well be folks out there who just think, yeah, just build another 3G pitch. But, of course, just building another 3G pitch involves hundreds of thousands of pounds, and, and you've got to find ways of getting that. And, you know, I don't think there are Saudi investors knocking at the door, and even if there were, do we want to have you know, such 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 individuals helping finance what we do. So the people who are doing that... Are, well, are hold, on, just... hold on, Dan. I, I, hold on, hold on, Dan. I have said if I do win Euro Millions, I will become that guy that tries to take them. But, uh, if, you know what, Rob? Breath. If you win but, Euro uh, Millions, yeah, I'm prepared to roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great fun. Yeah, I couldn't think of a but, more worthwhile project. But I do think the planning ahead thing, you know, you're right. It, 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 it's not something that's done on the back of an envelope because if you do that, it, it ends in financial disaster. And, uh, you know, running 90-odd teams, getting getting them all a spot to train, getting them a place to play, you know, this is why we have people who, 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 who you know, who sometimes are a bit grumpy. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll tell people that they should do a bit better because if they don't, and these people didn't, then then ultimately the club as a whole is worse for it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think in 10 years' time, the club won't be where it is now, but it will not be in a bad place. It'll be, you know, there'll be another 3G pitch. There'll be, there'll be more stuff going on that we can't even think of. And and I thought point, the point about relegation was interesting because, you know, in non-league, there's always reorgs as well, aren't there? There might well be a reorg that sends us somewhere else, but wherever it is, I'm confident we'll be all right there. 
Yeah, and I think one of the, from a first team perspective, because like I say, that's the side I watch the most of and have, I guess, the most views on. I was talking to a lot of the supporters last year. We had a very, very consistent side last year and you kind of knew what the team would be or at least certainly knew what the 15 was going to be and you started to get and know the lads. They were pretty much there for the majority of the season. You had Kai on the other week, right? And those guys were there for a long time. And I said to some of the other fans on the sort of WhatsApp group, next year we're going to have to get used to actually having people that are just around for a few months and disappear. It's just the nature of non-league as you move through. You end up having those players that you have a really strong affinity for are actually fewer and further between, which is a sad thing. And I guess you then default back to the badge rather than the person and the badge will always be there. So, yeah, we've seen that. You know, we've seen a few, few of the Vars winners leave the first team set up in the last few weeks and last few months. But what they brought in are really capable guys. And I think the good thing about what Jamie does at first team level, which I guess is indicative of everything that's below that, and I'm not sure below that's the right term, but in terms of the age groups, certainly younger than that, he brings in good people. And I think that's, I think that's the same across everything that I see as a relative outsider, because I'm not in on board meetings or anything like that, but the people I see at the, at the head of the club are, I say, really personal and have, have the club in their best interest. We've certainly seen that, haven't we, Dan? We have. Dealings with the, the chair and Joe Gavin and people like that all yeah. seem very decent and able souls. Rob, I've got a quick true or false for you. Go ahead. Right. First one. Can I Did just say to everybody, to listen, this is completely unscripted. We've got no idea where this is going to go, Leon. So it's all on you. Yeah, we're, we're... it's all it's all good family stuff. I've I've edited some of them. I was I was sent some some dodgy stuff by some of his ex ex colleagues. Did you used to drink half a pint of Guinness before a game? Yeah, not at Ascot though at Burnham with my mate Stuart Swift who had a spell at Ascot as well. We got lost on the way to Abingdon one night in his Lingo van, and okay. that night he got two, I got two. We won 4-2 and we thought, well, we best keep doing this. And we went maybe 23 unbeaten. But just just to be clear, you would recommend that the young players today wouldn't do that, wouldn't you, Rob? Yeah. Again, to those parents I am yet to meet that that are willing through three years' time, it's not going to be a staple part of your child's pre-match preparation. Or maybe the parents' preparation. That, that, That would work. Oh, they, they, they can do it. They, they can now, do this could choose. be part of a pre-match prep. It's not something I've done, Rob, but do you cut your toenails before a big game? Don't most people cut their toenails once a week, which would be generally each time <laughs> before I'll a take big game? One. I thought that was a bit left field. I'll let you guess who sent me that one. <laughs> Were you the first vet to be sent off on tour? Yes, Absolutely. Can you Proudly. remember what it's for, Rob, or do you don't want to say? You don't have to. I Context, think where, where, I was, where was this? Which tour was this on? The Vets go on tour every year, for those who don't know. Yeah, this, we're, were we abroad? In, or were we... Yeah, we're in, we're in Frankfurt. Mm. Did it have a bearing on your karaoke name that night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I, got two, I got two yellows. The second yellow was in about the 140th minute because <laughs> the, ref, the, the ref played until they equalised. And <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, appreci- I appreciate it was a friendly, but I kind of lost my head a little bit. That be, you know, that's fair enough. I think I'd have been with you there. Now, this is, I can't see this one being true. Were you a mascot in the 2000 Cup final against Chalvey that Doug Page captained to victory? I'm thinking you're going to be much too old. Where has that come from? He's got his cups mixed up. I scored twice in that final. Yes, yeah, what I thought. So you're going to be in the So I'd have done well as mascot. That was a way. That was a oh, way. I, I love see. that. I'll tell you what. if you're a mascot and you actually scored two goals in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair play to Doug. He's, he is pushing on in years. So I'll, I'll no, no, this is yet. Gaz, not Doug. So what oh, he's done right, there. Sorry. What he's done, he sent me a, he sent me a Ascot United versus Chalvey. To be played at Windsor and Eton, Wednesday yeah. the 26th of April, 2000. It's yeah. the one where you got a couple, yeah? Yeah, we won 3-1, yeah. All right. And he's also told me that you were a mascot one time when Doug Page was captain uh, and there was another right. cup win. Sorry. True or false? Yeah, two, two separate events. Yeah, Doug Page, the Field and Cup over at Brandon Town. Yeah, which Tim and Gareth played in. So I, I don't think there's a game I can think of that Tim didn't play in. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was... Good times. That some of those photos are still knocking around. It's amazing how grainy those photos yeah, are. That's when, I, that's, loves that, them. That, that's when age hits you. You you um, get you get a couple of drinks in Gareth, and the photos just start picking up. I reckon he's got them on his bedroom wall. Now, were you true or false in Carlsberg television adverts? And if so, in what capacity? 
So I think in the trade, they're known as idents, right? So the bit that leads into the show on ITV. So Tim Standing, myself and Neil Corbett went to watch England in Cardiff in a World Cup qualifier. I think we won 2-0. And those two were too drunk to speak to, speak to the researcher after the game. But I must have said something relatively coherent and was called up to do a bit of recording up in London and just given 250 pound check and then bundled out of a fire exit. Yeah. And then it, I remember being in a pub the first time it came on at Harlequins actually. Leon, we were talking yeah, about that before yeah. the call went, started recording and yeah, I went and stood next to the screen because I knew it was coming on. <laughs> there was quite a few amused looks when they realized that I was stood right next to it. So yeah, that is true. That is true. And the last especially- one, we have talked about the fact that you've scored lots of goals, sort of a creative player, really. But is it also true that you are an outstanding tackler and header of the ball in the mould of Roy Keane? That's as false as false can be. <laughs> I can answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. I was years ahead this, of this dementia thing. I knew that was coming, so I just steered clear of it. You know, all this research that you're hearing now. So uh, that's I'll my tell excuse you what, Dan, now. Picture a game where me, Rob and Andy Gleave were all playing centre mid. Andy, poor chap, headering for his life, you know, playing vets football, ball getting launched from the keeper. I wasn't going to head it, that's for sure. Rob wasn't keen either. I've said, Leon, I'm sure you agree, an interception is the best form of a tackle. Honestly, one of the first things you said where I thought, there is my excuse for not tackling. Absolutely beautiful. You (laughs) service, Leon, because certainly on Friday night last week, you, you were definitely... Get getting stuck in certainly the number of headers involved. I know it's not your natural forte, but um... it was one header and it wasn't a goal kick. And and the tackles, if you watch carefully, they're never those 50 50 ones. That's not me, that's someone else's. You're, 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 you're a very Leon, I'd, I'd class you as you're a player that you like ratting. Don't there you, you go, you like, so, exactly yeah, it. yeah. And if like I can ratting. get away without getting really badly hurt, yeah. I'll go and do a bit of that. Not a problem, a proper, proper pest. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> a proper, high praise proper pest I like that with two capital P's I can, yeah, <laughs> I can see that guys we're getting toward, towards the end of our time here but very briefly you, you mentioned JT there and you mentioned good people at the club just l- last week I, I saw JT and a couple of the first team boys one wearing a really loud bandana I have to say training with the under 8s they were training with the under 8 SYL Blues I think there'd been an auction at some point in the past and the SYL coaches had put whatever they put whatever you do into these auctions to win this and and he was absolutely chucking it down the kids were loving it i don't know what jt had them doing but they were running around like you know like, like, like they were on on steroids and it was it was just fantastic and i thought you know clearly we're not the only club that does that but it was a great advert i think for for, for what the club's about really and and i tell you the kids and the parents that they thought it was absolutely brilliant talking about goals leon we have another goal of the month competition on the horizon. Rob, have you have you had a chance to look at any of these? Do we have any thoughts? I mean, I've you know, I've had a look at them briefly. Do, do, do we want to point them in the direction of ones we like? Yeah, I've got my picks. Yeah, I always far away. I'm a I'm a I'm a keen person on the club X or the Twitter. I I get while I'm on an official podcast, I get annoyed, and Jamie knows this, at the alphabetical nature of the team sheet for the first a bit team. left field, isn't Absolutely. it? You know, I've picked up on that. Yeah, I sit. It's a, yeah, it's a big superstition, I think it is. But yeah, I have a look at the goal of the month and the save of the month. I'm more interested in the goal of the month, obviously. But uh, yeah, I've got my picks. I don't know what you boys think. But uh, I went with Leo O'Dwyer for the save. Leon, you on the same page? Or? I haven't got much on the saves. I will promise to have a look at those next month. Always miss them. On the goals, my favourite was Bell Woodbridge, under 16 Sapphires. We all know left-footed goals are just a thing of beauty. She's managed to cut inside two players, inside right channel, curled it in the top corner. Loved that. Loved Cole Hammond, under 13s. Nice goal. Left to right, cut inside his man. So the ball was played. It was a bit of a team goal. Cut inside his man. High into the roof of the net. And then for me, number three was Jack Saller, under 15. Another really nice team goal with a, with, with a header at the end from across from the left. And special mention to Toby Underwood's son, another one of our bets. We talked about him a bit tonight. Joshy Underwood, Scored a nice goal with a neat right foot finish. I noticed this week. I think playing for the under eights and the sevens. Yeah, as much as I wanted to, as much as I wanted to give that to Toby's son, the video wasn't particularly clear enough, so I couldn't really give it to him. But I, I got Jack Salah for me because I think it's a good team goal. Nice glancing header over the keeper. What I think the thing that stood out for me on the goals was there was just a lad called Ryan. 
Yep, spotted didn't, him. Didn't have, didn't have a surname, tall. right? Which, which which always makes you think like some sort of graceful Brazilian, Brazilian midfielder, right? Just well, didn't have a surname. Should be cool, thought, yeah, they? yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was a good goal, but yeah, Jack Salah was the one for me. I enjoyed that one. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought Jack Salah was a really nice goal. I, I like the. I mean, I'm a, I'm really biased on this, but I, I like the under eight Spartans goal, the free kick, just the simplicity of it. Put it down, bang, top corner. Uh, and it's under eight Yeah, and he ran off like I've scored a few of those as well. <laughs> I haven't. Like the celebration. But I, was, was, that Jesse Mil- was that Jesse Mills? Yes. Was that the Jesse Mills one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I did like that. Yeah, hit because I like that one because it hit the stanchion as well, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it would have been easier if it was Trevor Brook in 91 against, 91 against Hungary when it stuck in the stanchion. I don't know if you remember that one, Rob, that's before your time. But that was a World Cup qualifier for Spain 82, so it shows how old mm. I am. But yeah, I just like the, I like the simplicity of it. Ball down, bang, top corner, done. And I thought that was... Yeah, and he just ran off as if to say there's plenty more where that came from. Loved it. He scored a few goals this year. Or, good player. Yeah. Are you sure it wasn't the the one in a 14-1 defeat and that's why he was running off without much emotional? <laughs> Didn't stick around for long enough to watch that. <laughs> I can say, because the under eight, where I'm AGC, that they've won more, many more than they've lost. So <laughs> I, I, I think it might be a nonchalance of scoring just another goal, which which I wish I had experience of. Which honest, were, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. Cool. Rob, thanks very much for coming on. Lots of fantastic history around the club there. And, and also... You know, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Rob Saunders, the coach, because I, th- I think it might be an interesting anthropological experience. Yeah, I think it might be a different person to the player that you guys knew. I, was, I didn't mind some chirping. I'm going to have to sort of rein that in, I think. But, um, yeah, I bet you'll be really strict on it, having, having been a bit of chirpy yourself. I'm just trying to picture, I'm just trying to picture sort of eight players in the Rob Saunders mould playing I'm thinking who's going to be centre half who's going to be you know it's going to be a lot of very creative players out there I'll look for, I'll come and watch that I'll get myself a coffee and watch that but also I often you think coaches produce players that are not in their own mould oh really yeah I mean quite often you know you, the hard man might actually secretly wants a bit of creativity because he never had any himself that type of stuff and this must be why the under eights are doing so well right oh crikey oh dear <laughs> The, the dagger's just, just gone right in. You can't see, Dan, but he's just taken his hanky out of his top pocket of his sort of dinner jacket and wiped his brow. <laughs> he's not... That's caused him a bit of anxiety. Well, well, to I be mean, honest, I wanted to give you the stick today, Leon, but Arsenal won 5-0, so I've got to pick on Dan, I'm afraid. It, it, it was, was six, six Rob. Rob. But... I was doing the gardening. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't mention that, and now, you, now you've brought it up. <laughs> it was a thing of absolute beauty. But, um, Good yeah. stuff. Guys, we could wax lyrical forever and a day. I I wanted to finish actually as well with a shout out to the Ascot United women. They were playing, we're recording on Sunday evening this afternoon in the Mm. quarterfinals of the Southern Region Women's Football League Cup. And they they won, they won 2-1 against local rivals Woodley. Um, Apparently, I mean, I I couldn't make it down to have a a watch. They, you know, they bossed possession. They they, they were good on the ball and, you know. Good value for the win. win. I think it was a late penalty from Amelia Kimball that that saw them through to the semi-final. So well done. To the Ascot United women, very strong. Nice one. Cool. Right, guys, we'll no doubt reconvene at some point. And, and thanks again. Great Cheers, to boys. see you, Rob. Thanks, Dan. All the Cheers, best. Take it easy, lads. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.